Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is required to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Well, let's pray now and ask God to help us to understand his word. Father, thank you. Um, after Great Easter, we're back in Galatians now, and we pray as we uh, get back into this book that you would help us to understand these words of yours. Very strong language Paul uses there, and great truths for us to learn. We pray, Father, that you may be our teacher through your Spirit, by your word tonight, for Jesus' sake. Amen. I don't know if you've heard of the Stella Awards. Uh, they're named after an 81-year-old uh, called Stella Liebeck in the States, uh, who spilled coffee on herself in, uh, one day in McDonald's, and uh, then she successfully sued them. And the Stella Awards are for the most ludicrous lawsuits in the United States. Here are a few. Kathleen Robertson was awarded $780,000 by a jury after breaking her ankle, tripping over a toddler who was running around in a furniture store. The owners of the store were understandably perplexed when it came to light that little toddler was Kathleen Robertson's own son. Or Terence Dixon uh, was leaving the house that he'd just burgled via the garage. Uh, he went into the garage, the door to the house slammed behind him, and then he found out that he couldn't actually get out through the garage door, so he was stuck there. The family were on holiday, and Terence Dixon was stuck in the garage for eight days. He survived on a case of Pepsi that he found there on some, and on some dried dog food. He then 
after he was caught, decided he would sue the homeowner for his undue mental anguish. And unbelievably, he was awarded half a million dollars. A restaurant was once ordered to pay Amber Carson $113,500 after she slips on a soft drink and broke her coccyx at the bottom of her back. Uh, The drink on the floor was there because Amber Carson had thrown it at her boyfriend's in an argument just 30 seconds before. But a peanut goes to Mr. Merv Grzynski. He bought a brand new motorhome. He got onto the freeway, he set the cruise control to 70, at which he calmly left the driver's seat in order to go into the back and make himself a cup of coffee. Not surprisingly, the vehicle drifted off the freeway, crashed and overturned. Mr. Grzynski then sued the motorhome manufacturers for not advising him that you still had to steer when you were using the cruise control. And he was then awarded $1.75 million and a new motorhome. So Winnebago, the manufacturers, changed all their instruction manuals just in case any other moron would actually go and buy one of their motorhomes. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Well, that is the kind of stupid legal system that uh, uh, human beings would do well to be free of, isn't it? And this evening, we're learning about being free from the law, being free from a legal system, which actually doesn't do us any good. Uh, And uh, we're looking at Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. And we've got this heading this evening. It's this, uh, choose freedom, choose Jesus. Choose to be free from this legal system. Choose freedom and choose Jesus Instead, Look at verse 1 of the passage. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So he's saying, you Christian guys, you were burdened. A yoke is what a donkey or an ox would have across its shoulders to attach it to a a plough or something like that. And he's saying here, uh, stand firm then. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You were in slavery. You did have this yoke. You were burdened by it. Now you're free. Don't go back where you came from, is basically what he's saying. And... uh, uh, um, And Paul is obviously really quite shocked by this. He's outraged by it. And he's outraged by the people who are perpetuating it. Now, we're going to have an 18 certificate on this next bit, because look at verse 12. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Basically, Paul is so infuriated with these people who are are saying, you become a Christian, that's great. Now, uh, you've got to go and... uh, um, Uh, and get yourself circumcised and get back to following the Jewish laws. It's going to be good for you. And and Paul is so furious with these guys. He says, don't just cut off your your foreskin as you would if you're going to be circumcised. Cut off the whole lot is actually what he's saying in verse 12. Okay? Sorry to be very crude about it, but that's what the Bible says. All right? So why does he feel so strongly? Why does he feel so strongly? Well, because in these 12 verses, Paul says two things. He says, if you're a Christian, first of all, you're free from the law. You're free from the law. The law, in other words, which says, well, if you do this and 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 and carry on going, several hundred this and this and this is, if you do that and you do it perfectly, then you will be acceptable to God. 
He says you're free from that as Christians because you would never be acceptable to God because you can never keep that law, okay? And then second, from verses 7 to 12, he's saying if you're a Christian, then you need to be free from the legalists as well, those who want to go back to the law. So don't go back to it. It's the worst possible thing to do. So we're going to look at those two things this evening. So first of all, first of all, free from the law or free from the law of God. If we're Christians, what he's saying is here, we are free from the law. So choose freedom. Choose freedom every day. Choose Jesus. Now, here's a question. How do you get to heaven? How are you going to get to heaven? How is God going to accept you? Now, if you think that God is going to accept me because I'm a pretty nice person, because I obey the rules, people think I'm okay... I'm quite nice, I'm kind, I gave to children in need and read in those days, and therefore God is bound to accept me, then you're living under the rules. And there's a problem with that, isn't there? How nice have you got to be? How much should you give to children in need or read in those days? Is a tenner enough? What about a hundred quid? Maybe a million. How much do you have to give? What is the acceptable level that God would say? How about, uh, uh, you know, you obeying the rules and I think I'm okay. Well, just how nice do you have to be? Because you always think of someone who's nicer than you and people who are less nice than you. How much should you help your parents? Should you empty the dishwasher once a week, every other day, every evening, morning and evening? How, you know, what, what kind of rules are we going to have here? And what about the rubbish in your life? What about all the stuff that you do wrong? What about that kind of problem there? How's that going to be coped with? So we end up living in fear. Fear that we haven't actually done enough to be accepted by God because we're not really quite good enough. And condemnation because we feel that actually we're being condemned by this because we're not really good enough in order to earn our acceptance by God. And it becomes a huge burden. Living to keep the rules and meeting God's standards becomes a huge burden. In fact, it becomes a huge prison. You're living surrounded by metal bars of our own making. We're trapped by it. But Jesus has set us free because we will never be able to keep all of God's laws. Jesus, though, died for us to pay the price for our failures, for our sin, for our hopelessness. He freed us from the guilt and the condemnation of trying to earn our acceptance by God by keeping the laws. He died for us so that we could live a life of freedom in his love and in his service. And we'll no longer want to keep God's laws as a way of earning God's favour. We're free from that. But we love to keep God's rules now because we know we're dearly loved children. And because we're dearly loved children and we're greatly forgiven children, we love to keep God's laws. Because we love him. And we're his. And we want to live for him now. And we will live for him for all eternity. And then when we, when we foul up, we know that God, our loving Father, will forgive us. Now that is a totally different way of living life. So, as we see in verse 1 here, uh, he says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Don't, don't go back to the old stuff. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke 
of slavery. So he says here, first of all, under this, A, free from religion, as in a religion of law-keeping, as in a religion that's based on being a good person. He says, now, if you're a Christian, you're free from that. So we don't now come to church in order to be good enough to be accepted by God. Although my guess is there will be a number of us coming to church this evening thinking that by doing so, we will actually earn brownie points with God. So I want to say you don't have to come to church. You don't have to come to our small groups together prayer meeting. You don't have to be part of a small group. You don't have to go on a youth weekend away. You don't have to read your Bible. And you don't have to pray. You don't have to be a nice person. You don't have to keep the speed limits. You don't have to give to children in need. You don't have to work hard for your exams. You don't have to uh, go on church home and away days. You don't have to do any of those things to be accepted by God. You really don't. You really don't. These guys are saying come back to this religion, it's good for you. But actually, if we're doing any of those things, or in fact anything to be accepted by God, and that's the reason why we do them, then actually it's incredibly bad for us. Because we're free from that kind of religion now because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we now say, I want to come to church. I don't have to, but I want to. I want to be here because it's good for me because I love my mates here because I love to worship God with them more and more and because of Jesus I don't have to go on the youth group weekend away I don't have to read my Bible I don't have to pray but I love to do those things because I know they're good for me and because of Jesus I can now say well I don't have to go to small groups together our prayer meeting here but actually I want to do that because I want to pray and I want to learn to pray more and I know it'll be good for me And because of Jesus, I can now say, well, I don't have to be part of a small group. I know I don't have to be. I'm a free man. But actually, I want to be part of a small group because I know that's good for me. I know I don't have to go to KO after the evening service tonight, but I want to because I know it's going to be good for me because I've got good friends there and it's going to help me love Jesus more. I'm a free man. I'm free from a religion which says, do this, do that, do the other, go to KO, go to after hours, come to church, come to church next Sunday, in fact, come to church twice next Sunday, read your Bible every day this week, pray at least three hours every day, help your neighbour across the road, do their shopping and do all the rest of it stuff, because all those rules and regulations, all those do, 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 Christianity says it's done. It's done. Jesus has died for us. It's done. And we accept that and we're saved people, Okay. So let's not go back to this rules, thinking that they're going to get us to heaven, because they never will, they never would, and they never can. So the second thing here is uh, no going back. No going back. People there are saying, come back to living like a Jew. Or today, come back to thinking you must go to KO in order to earn your brownie points, in order to God forgive you a little tick, and then you can get uh, get to heaven. Uh, or today would say, go back. You say you've got to pray for half an hour a day, or you know, 29 minutes, not enough. This must be 30, and so on, uh, in order for Christianity to be real and for God to accept you. And Paul says, look, you were burdened before by that yoke, by that burden on your back. And it's a slavery. Stand firm. Don't go back to that. John Newton, the converted slave trader of the 18th century and the writer of Amazing Grace, he became a Christian when he was 23. And then soon after that, he wrote something which he put on his mantelpiece above his fire. Uh, and uh, 
uh, and it was this. It was a verse uh, from Deuteronomy, and uh, it's in the Old English, and it says this. Thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman, in other words, a slave, in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee, bought you out of it. We were slaves, and now we are free. He's freed us so we may live free, free from the curse, free from the burden, free from the guilt, free from the condemnation of trying to be good enough for God. So don't go back. That's what he's saying. Sometimes we're all tempted to go back. We're all tempted to go back and to try and be good enough. And we're all tempted to think, well, surely, you know, I must be able to contribute something to this salvation. I mean, going to church surely must be, you know, God must think better of me because I go to church. But look at verse 2. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. So if we're saying that the stuff that I do is going to help and contribute, what's that saying about Jesus? It's saying surely to Jesus, well, Jesus, thanks so much for dying for me, but I'll get to heaven on my own. I'll contribute something. And Christ becomes valueless for us, and the cross becomes an irrelevance. Jesus, no, you died for me, but I'll get to heaven my own way. What stinking arrogance to think that. It's terrible, isn't it? So let's not go back to living under the law and trying to be nice enough for God. Let's go on our knees and admit our sin and our need and our helplessness and never go back. Third, eager waiting. Look at the word hope in verse 5 there. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Now that's something uniquely Christian. Choose freedom, choose Jesus, and hope in him. Now hope is not, oh I hope it's going to be a nice sunny day. It's rain tomorrow, I hope it'll be a nice sunny day tomorrow, bank holiday and so on. Um, no, hope uh, is uh, in uh, hope in the Bible is total assurance. Total assurance. We use the hope in English to mean I'm not so sure. So they're almost the complete opposites. But hope in the Bible is total assurance. So this, instead of uncertainty and uh, hopelessness of a rules-based religion, that means as Christians in verse 5, for instance, we're completely certain. We're full of certainty. Full of certainty that one day Jesus will return or we will die and we will make it to heaven and we'll be given the righteousness which has been won for us when Jesus died for us. That's what he's saying in verse 5. We eagerly await by faith, because we put our trust in Jesus, the righteousness, how God sees us, for which we hope. We're looking forward to that day. And we eagerly await that uh, here and now. Can't wait. We're looking forward to heaven, receiving the righteousness that Jesus has won for us when he won on the cross. Sometimes we're a bit too, uh, when he died on the cross, sometimes we're a bit too stuck on this earth now, aren't we? I love the story of a, a vicar from a village near Cambridge who was told he was about to die, and he was so excited at the prospect of heaven, he lived for another two weeks. 
That's great, isn't it? And it's that excitement and that anticipation of heaven that we need to pray would be something in our hearts as well. Through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. The eager expectation, in other words. And then look at verse 6. The next thing to say is this. Faith counts. My good performance in keeping the rules, being nice enough, getting to church and so on, to get on the right side of God, is of no value. It is of no value. It doesn't earn me brownie points. It doesn't earn me a, a gold star with God. Okay? And my failures, my uncircumcision, as uh, it would talk, be talked about here, my failures don't matter anymore either because it's all about God's grace and the sheer wonder of the fact that nothing I can do can make God love me anymore and equally there's nothing I can do can make God love me any less because the only thing that counts is faith which we see as the love of God we see in the love of God and the love of people. Tim Keller, writing about this, said this, neither moral exertion nor moral failure counts. Period. The only thing that counts, the only thing that matters, is our faith, our trusting in him. So you trusting in Jesus? You trusting in his death for you? so that you would be accepted by God one with him reunited with him that is faith and faith counts for Christians we're free from the law and now the end of verse 6 the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself or seen through love The next part is uh, the second half, uh, but it's rather quicker. So uh, the second thing here, number two, free from the legalists. Free from the law, but also free from the legalists. Paul is shocked and furious with these legalists. These guys who've been worming their way into the different churches across Galatia, that region there, and saying, oh, you've become a Christian, that's great. Now you just need to be circumcised, you just need to keep the old law of God from the Old Testament there, uh, get back to living like a Jew and obeying all the Old Testament rules. That's the way to be accepted by God. And Paul is just outraged by that. And it's dangerous because, frankly, look, a little heresy goes a long way. And the heresy is what this is. We have a bread maker at home, okay? Middle-aged, okay? And uh, middle class, right? So, uh, um, and it breaks very good bread. You bung the stuff in, you press a few buttons, and four or five hours later, uh, every single time, because it's uh, a Panasonic, by the way, good bread maker's Panasonic, you come out with your decent uh, bread loaf at the end of it. How much yeast do you think you need for, uh, for a nice, decent loaf of bread? A teaspoon. Because a little least goes a long way and has a huge effect. And these legalists, the guys who are trying to say, no, go back to the old ways of doing it. Get back to trying to earn your acceptance with God. These legalists, he says, they're like yeast. Look at verse 9. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. It certainly does. 
It goes a long way. It has a big effect. Very dangerous. And these are not Christian people. Their message isn't from God. Look at verse 8. They're trying to persuade people. And you've got to remember, a little heresy goes a long way. So for us, don't believe everything you hear. It means we need to develop good spiritual antennae. Where if you, uh, it doesn't mean to say you you, uh, you you need to be a kind of theological heavyweight and understand, but just antennae which which kind of think is that right? Antennae which kind of begin to quiver if you're hearing something you're thinking I'm not so sure about that, and you grow that over time as we grow as Christians, as we read our Bibles, as we read read Christian books. And if you're not sure, then, then ask someone, like one of your leaders or me, or Tim. Remember, heresy is dangerous, and a little goes a long way, so take care. And also, we need to note here, it gets personal. It gets personal. It seems in verse 11, they're claiming that Paul is preaching that Christians should be circumcised. Clearly he's not, but lies do the rounds. So I want to say within a Christian church, lies can do the rounds as well. Rumours can spread. If you hear something about someone else, you think, that can't be true. You don't have to believe it. I know churches where lies have done the rounds. Where people's reputations have been destroyed by lies. So let's be wise Don't believe everything you're told about other people. If it's clearly outrageous, then just be careful before uh, you start going around and spreading that, because it may not actually be true. Raise an eyebrow. Check it out. Don't take it in hook, line, and sinker, and then tell other people. I think Christians can be very good at being gullible, so be careful. And see... No compromise. There's no compromise here, is there? Look at verse 1 or verse 2. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. He's not saying stand firm then and, uh, uh, yeah, it's okay to do a few of the laws. That's fine, you know, but, but not too many. Just be reasonable. Be nice and English about it. No, he says stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burned again by a yoke of slavery. That's what it is. Call a spade a spade. It's rubbish. Don't be involved. At the end of verse 6, he's saying the only thing that counts is faith expressing it through love. He's not saying, well, there are quite a few things that count. You know, it actually does help that uh, you come to church every week. It really does help that you're involved in the leader of the youth group. It really does help that uh, you know your your giving is uh, is is you know tithing quite nicely and so on. Um, no, he says the only thing that counts is faith, and there's no compromise. You might look at verse 12 again. Sometimes we've just got to say, actually, guys, look at verse 12. As for those agitators, well, I wish they'd go the whole way. And sometimes we've just got to say, uh, this is just in fact wrong, and I think we should uh, call a spade a spade on occasion. Heresy, bad teaching, will in the end destroy a church. That's what the devil would love to do. And uh, it would be helpful if we would develop in our Christian reading and our reading of God's word and our theological thinking at least a twitchy antennae which actually... Uh, can see and to understand that actually there might not be something about this which is quite all it's packed up to be when we hear a new teaching or someone uh, taking us off to a conference or something where we're hearing some, uh, some new stuff we develop the twitchy antennae 
it may well be a very helpful thing for your church. And then finally, uh, and very briefly, choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. In the end, this is all about Jesus. It is for freedom, verse 1, that Christ has set us free. Mark my words, verse 2, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. But actually, Jesus is of the greatest value to us ever. Because of what he's done. He is the most valuable person ever. So let us choose freedom. Let's choose Jesus now, tonight, today, and every day. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray uh, that you would forgive us for those times where we thought there may be things that we can contribute to our acceptance, to our salvation. But Lord, thank you that we are free from the law, free from a a religion which says to us, oh, you've got to earn this somehow, free from uh, going back to the old ways of doing things. Lord, we pray that we would wait eagerly for our salvation, trusting in you every day. And Lord, we pray that as your people we may stay free from the legalists or from other forms of folks who may be uh, teaching us up the garden path. We pray, Lord, that we may, you may help us to develop these uh, spiritual antennae which just begin to quiver where we're not quite so sure if something is true and right. Lord, please help us. Please protect us. And we pray you'd help us simply to choose Jesus every day. For his name's sake.